Equal access to justice is a core American value. In each episode of Talk Justice, an OSC podcast, we will explore ways to expand access to justice and illustrate why it is important to the legal community, businesses, government, and the general public. Talk Justice is sponsored by the Leaders' Council of the Legal Services Corporation. One of the things I love about this conference is that it's really one of the only conferences out there, uh, or substantial ones, that are really focused on using technology to address the justice gap. And part of the reason this conference has become so important because everybody recognizes that you're not ever going to really deliver effective assistance to all who need effective assistance without technology being part of that formula. It's not 100% of the answer, but it's a core component of that. Uh, So many of the other conferences are focused on technology uh, for big corporations or big law firms or big money problems. Hello and welcome to Talk Justice. I'm your host, Jason Taché, a member of the Emerging Leaders Council at the Legal Services Corporation. In this episode, we get a sneak peek into LSC's 2021 Innovations and Technology Conference, which will be happening virtually from January 11th to the 14th. Not only for legal aid lawyers, this conference covers the gamut of technology and access to justice issues, including automation, user design, remote court access, online content strategies, and the list goes on and on. To discuss all of these topics today, I'm joined by three guests. Jane Ribadonera is a program analyst for technology at the Legal Services Corporation and an organizer of ITC. Amanda Brown is the executive director of Lanyap Law Lab, a nonprofit using technology to span the access to justice gap in Louisiana. She will be speaking at ITC and is an Emerging Leaders Council member as well. Finally, Bob Ambrosi is a legal technology journalist who, among many other pursuits, is the founder of LawSites.com. Thank you all for being with us. Jane, I wanted to start with you. This has been a year like none other. Everyone has had to change up their lives and learn new habits to manage this precarious time. Matching our moment, ITC is going virtual in 2021. What should people expect from this change? For 2021, obviously we had to move the conference to be a virtual event. Uh, One of the things that we really thought a lot about was how to keep the interactive component of the conference. You know, one of the the great values we always hear people say about it is the ability to share information, to collaborate, to get new ideas. Um, You know, we've always had a a conference where we wanna promote replication amongst uh, both our grantees as well as others in the um, legal aid access to justice community. Um, so we're, we're approaching this, uh, we've cut down the number of sessions, but we're still going to have a very robust schedule. Uh, we have a broad um, uh, array of topics, so hopefully there'll be something, whether it's a, you know, a, a real tech-focused session for IT staff, uh, you know, something more for pro bono attorneys, something for uh, legal aid staff, uh, for executive directors. Um, And we're going to do kind of a mix of both uh, recorded content as well as live content. We want to try and maximize the amount of live interaction during the conference. One of the things I've found over the past, uh, you know, six or seven months of attending virtual events uh, is that oftentimes uh, people are trying to just replicate what happens in a live conference. So you've got, you know, an hour and a half session of 
presenters talking for 50 or 60 minutes and you know and then a few minutes for questions and answers um, so so what we're doing is splitting it up we're going to have probably about half the sessions be live content and and then we've also asked people to record and pre-record some of the presentation portion of their uh, of their workshops so that uh, we'll release that in advance. People can absorb some of that content. And then during the live portion of the conference, we'll be able to have um, you know, more targeted question and answers and discussions. So kind of the interactive component um, maximized during the live conference itself. So it sounds like in regards to style, you're, you're trying to take the best of the in-person events, but also add on to it with this benefit to be asynchronous because everything will be held online. Uh, what about the substance itself? Obviously our conversations this year may look different uh, than any other year. Uh, is that also going to be different this year? It is, I mean, we, obviously we have, a, uh, there's a strong focus on a number of the sessions regarding uh, what um, organizations, uh, both legal aid and the courts have done to respond to the effects of COVID-19 on uh, their delivery, both, you know, interacting with clients and getting information and, and assisting um, clients with cases, as well as um, just advertising their services, doing outreach uh, when their offices may be closed, you know, increase in using videos, using Facebook Live, uh, remote service delivery, some of the, the challenges that, um, you know, every organization has faced in moving a lot of their staff to uh, remote work. Um, you know, so we're gonna be able to, to kind of have that as a focus into as well. Besides that, we have a lot of our typical tracks and topics that we focus on. Um, you know, we've brought in more things about what's happening with courts and court technology, uh, you know, self-help delivery, using data, um, you know, focus on how to do intake and triage. There's a growing focus on kind of regulatory reform uh, issues across the country. We're going to see some sessions about that. And before I bring Bob and Amanda in, just to get some quick uh, vitals on just the size of this event, how many sessions are there going to be and how many attendees do we have coming this year? Sure. So there's a little over 40 uh, sessions during the conference. And, you know, as I said, some will be available, recorded, pretty much all of them will have some live component, um, whether it might be a 20 minute discussion around that content. In addition to those kind of set workshops, we also are reserving time for uh, more, um, we, we've always called them kind of affinity group times and affinity group discussions, which are a little more unconference-like. They might have a topic, like let's uh, you know talk about business process improvement or um, you know using data. But uh, we might have a facilitator and put everybody into a Zoom room and then break them out into smaller groups to have just informal discussions and exchanges of information. And then there'll also be some time, kind of in the middle of the day, for attendees to just create their own meetups on the. Um, the conference platform that we're using allows up to 30 people to just set up their own meetup and have a, uh, have a uh, you know, a mini um, session of their own. The conference has been growing over, you know, kind of exponent exponentially over the last 
uh, five years in particular. Uh, last this past January, we had about 600 people at our in-person in conference. And um, right now we've got almost 800 signed up for the virtual event. We're still over a month out. Bob, I wanted to jump to you. So Jane just gave us a bunch of different uh, topics. Uh, you got a chance to look at the rundown uh, for ITC in 2021, 12 separate tracks, 40 different sessions. I'm curious, since you watch the legal industry broadly, uh, what themes and trends do you see out of uh, all, all of these various topics um, that Jane has kind of outlined for us? Uh, yeah, well, first of all, Jane, 801, because I haven't registered yet and I'll be there, but uh, you can, <laughs> uh, and hopefully others do too. It's a great, it's always a great conference. You know, the themes uh, somewhat conspicuously are, are, are very much focused on uh, delivering legal services remotely, uh, as you might expect. Um, and you know what I think what's kind of interesting though is that is that my sense is that while it's more heavily focused on that this year, that's always been a topic of this conference because of the fact that it, it recognizes that that the ability to deliver services uh, you know through mobile devices, the ability to, to deliver information to people who are geographically remote is, is important. Uh, and so in a way, uh, that's, that's an extension of some of the topics this, uh, this conference has always focused on, but certainly it's much more heavily focused on that this year. Um, one of the uh, distinguishing factors, I think, of this conference from other legal technology conferences is that a lot of the programs, or a lot of the panels and uh, in, in presentations are much more hands-on uh, in the sense that they're, they're focused on, on uh, people uh, who, who come to the conference who, who want to build these tools or refine these tools themselves. I mean, if you go to you know, some of the other legal tech conferences, an ABA tech show or legal tech in New York or something like that, they're more focused on users who aren't going to be you know, kind of working directly with these technologies so much as trying to understand how they can use them in their law practice. But a lot of the people who come to this conference are, are very much directly involved in in building out uh, the, the the solutions that that their offices or whatever are going to use, uh, and so I, I just see a number of uh, uh, programs on the agenda here this year that that are focused on that. So I, I think those are probably two of the two of the big ways uh, that I see it: the focus on on remote delivery of legal services and court services, uh, and the focus on the ability to help craft and, and do it yourself with some of these tools. Dive in just a little bit deeper on your second point there, this hands-on aspect of it. You mentioned this as comparison to like legal tech in New York, which is tend to be focused on big firms as opposed to ITC, which is focused on legal aid. Do you think that that is a reason why that uh, there's more of this hands-on approach because legal aid, just people's proximity to having to come up with solutions is closer than if you're in a large firm with a lot of money and a dedicated IT team? Like, wh why do you think that is a particular theme here for ITC? I, I think that's clearly part of it, although although that's not entirely. I mean, there are other conferences you can talk about, like ILTA, where you get the IT people from the big firms who come who are, who are much more hands-on. Uh, but I think 
<laughs> maybe and frankly part of it is 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 budgetary uh that you have people at at possibly at a number of the uh, organizations that are at legal services organizations perhaps who are um multitasking <laughs> having having to fill a number of different roles i mean you know one of the big one, one of the things i love about this conference is that it's really one of the only conferences out there uh, or substantial ones that are really focused on using technology to address the justice gap. Uh, so many of the other conferences are focused on technology uh, for big corporations or big law firms or you know uh, uh, big money problems. Uh, and this is one of the ones that's that uh, I'm trying to think of any others that are that are comparable that are focused just on how do we, uh, better use technology to bridge the justice gap and, and uh, address uh, the needs of, of people in lower income communities and disadvantaged communities. So, uh, you know, I think that's a real distinguishing factor. Amanda, you are one of these hands-on people that has attended ITC in the past. Uh, you are bridging that practitioner world between law and technology uh, in the access to justice space. Um, does Bob's analysis ring true to you in your experience at ITC? I think it's definitely, there's truth there, but when I look at kind of what this conference is all about and the themes from this year, I really see emerging this very people-centric approach to using technology to help solve the access to justice gap. So I see, you know, in the past, I feel that, when I've attended a conference, we're, we're really just starting to get a handle on what the technologies even are for legal services. And now we're kind of moving into a more mature phase where we're able to say, hey, yes, we have all these things and we have enough experience with them that this is how we can make this a better experience for the actual client. So I'm seeing that a lot through the sessions that have been chosen. Uh, and so for this coming year, you're also a presenter um, and not just an attendee. Tell us a little bit about what you will be talking about specifically. And does it tie into this idea of being more uh, people centric, as, as you just put it? Yes, absolutely. So I'm on two panels. Um, the first being uh, a very people human centered project that I worked on to um better understand content strategy and the way that people engage with videos. In this case, it was videos and doing research to see what do people actually like? How do they retain the information? So it's a little bit more of a strategic approach to developing content. And we're going to use those insights, you know, indefinitely until we figure out other issues with our content through more testing. Um, so very much an emphasis on what the actual experience is for that person consuming that piece of content. And then the other um, panel that I'm sitting on is all about the legal app teardowns or the user experience um, session that last year was, I think, pretty popular. That was, um, I think, hosted by Community Lawyers. So again, we're seeing like the the comments coming out of looking through these legal apps are all focused on how does a user interplay with this with this tool? What's their perception of it? Are they getting what you think that they need? And um, 
you know, are they actually getting the information and getting to where you wanted them to go? So again, just kind of bridging that gap between what technologies we've been implementing for a while and then how they're actually impacting the user and whether they can be a success. The, the legal teardown panel last year was my favorite. And it was the first time I'd seen one of uh, a panel like that at a conference where you've got three experienced people in user design looking at uh, popular or well-known access to justice apps and then critiquing it in real mm -hmm. time, um, which can maybe be tough medicine for the creators of those apps that are in the room. But I think uh, that type of um, constructive criticism is often missing and, and very valuable. So I'm glad that you were bringing it back uh, this year. Uh, curious to as you're preparing for these two panels, has COVID, the pandemic, the remoteness of our lives currently changed how you have approached these topics, uh, both in your practice, but also in the way that you're going to present the information? Um, definitely. Well, we had the constraints of the conference themselves that um, ordinarily, like we would hope that this would be very interactive workshop type events, both of them really. Um, but just in general, I think COVID has brought so many really great things to, you know, to fruition with the projects that we're working on. Um, they've become suddenly a lot more relevant. And because we've had this practice in the past, we kind of at least we're not walking into the situation blind. Um, but then, of course, there are huge challenges with implementing some of these practices. User experience testing alone has been in my, you know, in my personal experience throughout the year. It's been such a challenge to recruit people and get them, you know, excited to spend 30 minutes to an hour on a Zoom with you for a gift card rather than, oh, I'm already in a self-help center waiting for someone. I'll just participate in this. So it's, you know, it has its pros and cons, um, but that's where we are. Bob, coming back to you for a second, something Jane mentioned uh, in her rundown of the conference this year um, is this look at regulatory reform, which is a specific track. Um, this year, I believe it was a track last year as well. Um, it's a topic we've discussed here on the podcast. For those that didn't listen to it, there's an excellent one, uh, which was episode two, actually, of Talk Justice. Um, I know this is a topic that you follow closely. Explain it a little bit to us. What is this relationship between regulatory reform, technology, and legal aid? Well, I, I think the, the relationship uh, between regulatory reform and legal aid is that I think the, the system of lawyer regulation has been designed uh, and operated to stand in the way of, of innovation in, in the legal uh, world and to stand in the way of the effective use of technology in the legal world. Uh, I think regulatory reform opens the doors to uh, new forms of delivery of legal services, new ways of using technology to deliver legal services, uh, to um, new categories of those who are qualified to deliver legal services. Uh, and I, I think all of that leads to uh, a much broader uh, uh, availability of legal services uh, and, and a much greater use of, of legal services. 
across the spectrum, but I think in particular, there is the benefit there is for uh, those who are who do not presently have access to either because of economic means, or as I said before, geographic means, uh, or or any other, a number of other reasons to effective legal services. Uh, you know, I think that that's what we've seen. You know, in, in the Utah sandbox and Arizona, I mean, the other states that have tackled this have, have very explicitly tackled this as a way to uh, enhance uh, in, uh, the delivery of legal services to uh, a much broader segment of, of, of their populations. So hopefully that's where we're heading with this. Jen, ITC used to be called the Technology Innovation Grants Conference after LSC's Technology Grant Program for Legal Aid Organizations. Where does this conference fit now into the larger work that LSC is doing regarding technology and justice? When Jim Sandman became president in 2010-2011, in, uh, one of the first things he did at, as president of LSC was to attend what was then called the TIG Conference. Um, which is after the, the grant program, we uh, provide specific grants just for using technology, both to help our grantees improve their delivery, as well as uh, to create better self-help resources and self-help tools using technology. Um, and he always said this was his favorite conference. And, um, you know, I think his, uh, his focus on the use of technology and, and promoting that, you know, really, uh, he, you know, made this a, a prime event for, for LSC. And it, it kind of led to our rebranding uh, because we realized that something that had started as just us bringing together a group of grantees had, you know, started to attract, you know, the people from law schools and the courts and, uh, access to justice commissions. And, and now we have this growing group of legal tech startups uh, that are also focused on access to justice. And, and you know, it has grown to be kind of a, the, the prime event, um, you know, the, the premier event of, of, uh, of the Legal Services Corporation. And, um, you know, I, I see that just uh, continuing. The, the advantage of having it virtually is just the increased capacity for people to attend. Um, you know, we're still seeing about half the attendees being from our grantees. Um, you know, and we it, one of the one of the the things that had caused some of the growth was that instead of just one or two people coming, you know, we saw organizations starting to send teams of people. You know, they started to realize that it was more than just you know, one person or one staff person who was kind of interested in this and being able to kind of affect change uh, either within their organization or within their community. Um, you know, and now we've got programs sending 10 people to the virtual conference or actually Montana, I think has 15 or 16, which is I think the majority of their staff because Montana Legal Services is pretty small. I think they only have 20 something staff in the whole organization, um, but, but, you know, it's something they've been doing for years, just, you know, as Bob said, uh, legal aid by its nature has had to uh, look towards technology in order to, to uh, be able to try and meet the overwhelming need uh, that they just can't given the resources that they have. 
I mean, I think what 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 Jim Sandman really did, uh, and and others, including Jane, have done. Jane's modest in, in giving all the credit to to Jim, but was to drive home the point that that technology is not just ancillary to the effective delivery of legal services, but it's a core component of it. And I, I think that's why this and part of the reason this conference has become so important because everybody recognizes that you're not ever going to really deliver effective assistance to all who need effective assistance without technology being part of that formula. It's not a hundred percent of the answer, but it's a core component of that. And uh, you know, one of the first things Jim did uh, way back when he first came aboard with LSC uh, was to put together this group that generated this report of the summit on the use of technology to expand access to justice. Jane was part of that group uh, that, that put that together uh, and it was a really visionary document. It's seven years ago, and it's still 100% timely and, and relevant uh, today. And so I, I, think it's, I, I think it's a real key reason why this conference has become so vital. I think that's right. And uh, to Jane's point about how this has expanded and the scope has grown over the years, I think one anecdotal piece of evidence to reflect that is just the attention that this type of technology is getting as well. I mean, one TIG-funded grantee, which is Upsolve, a bankruptcy platform, was featured in Time's Best Inventions of 2020 this year. I mean, that's an astounding shift in just the attention, national attention that legal aid technology is getting and something that LSC has been core to uh, helping promote all of these years. As we begin to wrap up, uh, one thing I wanted to get was some maybe practical advice for people that are listening that maybe attending this year, maybe it's their first virtual conference, maybe it's not, hard to know. But uh, to get some advice to folks, just how do you take advantage of this different environment? Uh, um, Amanda, in the past, you have been able to take um, what you've learned at ITC or, or TIG, depending on which year you were there, and, and bring it back to Louisiana and implement it. And I'm curious to hear about like, how did that look for you? Like transferring this maybe abstract knowledge from the conference and then taking it home. Yeah, so it's it's an interesting, you know, kind of question. In in some instances, it's as easy as just calling up the grantee that did this project. And I think that's one of the things that you love so much about this conference is that everybody's very hands-on and completely willing, as Jane said, this is all about replication and everyone is so completely willing to share what they've learned to move things forward. And then in other instances, it's just simply running with the concept that you saw. Um, I have, I mean, if you look at the work that I have done in Louisiana, literally every bit of it has been in some way influenced by what I've learned at this conference. I, a couple years ago, learned about the Justice for All grant. And this year we're wrapping up our Justice for All grant. Um, we now have a triage tool, which are very popular, you know, to help the masses of individuals looking for legal assistance really get to where they need to go and learn what they need to know to be empowered to take that next step. Um, we also kind of look at our pro bono net sites that support pro bono advocates and our legal service providers. I mean, we've literally called up Atlanta Legal Aid and pro bono net and like, hey, can we make this happen? And we're getting ready to unveil new designs based on their help and their um, feedback. And then I know last year there was a lot of great information on 
um, legal content design and how to um, better present content and organize it on law help sites. So we're in the middle of kind of revamping all of that. So it, there's literally nothing that I have done over the last two years that has not been influenced by this program. That, that's a ringing endorsement of <laughs> the conference. Um, and, and maybe just to get a, a little bit more background from you, you are literally, we are recording this, you are literally in between virtual conference sessions at the yes. moment. What have you learned this year that you can pass on to people where this may be their first virtual conference to take advantage of this type of format when we're not able to meet in person as we usually are? Well, I know a lot of these um, programs and the software, the platforms that the events are run on have great meeting, you know, scheduled meeting options or chat options. I've seen tons of people just get more involved in the chat. So there's more of a conversation going on during the actual presentation. And I think that's totally fine. Um, so you just, it's, it's tough. We all wish that we were in person, but you really have to make the best of it and try to stay engaged as best as possible. Because at the end of the day, all the content is the same. These are the same, if not more people there that you have the opportunity to meet. So just take advantage of all those features. And Bob, I'll, I'll let you have the final comment here. Do you have anything to add? I know you are old hat at uh, virtual conferences at this point. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I do. I find I, I still am finding them um, challenging in the sense that it, it's so hard to replicate the uh, the uh, not, randomness isn't quite the word, but the ability to kind of wander around a conference and meet people and and, and get to know people. So I, I think it takes a little bit more work. Uh, to, uh, you know, the content part of a virtual conference is, is easy. They're great programs and you can sit there and watch them on Zoom. The, the networking and the, and the engagement part gets a little bit more difficult. And I do think you have to be um, a little bit uh, proactive in, in not just, you know, chatting with people in, in the chat on Zoom. I'm not sure what, what platform uh, they're using for this conference. I, I've been darting in and out of one today that's using a, avatars in a, in, a, in a sort of a virtual uh, like second life kind of a setting. And it's actually been kind of interesting, uh, but uh, I don't think that's what this one is gonna be. But I, you know, I think you just need to, to follow up with people uh, and engage with people and, and have those conversations uh, in, in, in different ways than you would if you were at a live conference. But I, I you know, uh, totally agree with Amanda that, that you, get so much from those connections and then you bring so much back with you from those conferences and making those connections and get so much value out of that, that it's important to continue to pursue those however you can. And on that note, I'd like to thank Bob, Jane and Amanda for being with us today on Talk Justice. For links to what we discussed today or to register for ITC, check out our show notes. I'm Jason Tache. Thank you for listening. Podcast guest speakers' views, thoughts, and opinions are solely their own and do not necessarily represent the Legal Services Corporation's views, thoughts, or opinions. The information and guidance discussed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as legal advice. You should not make decisions based on the podcast content without seeking legal or other professional advice.